Welcome to the Journal.ie's The Explainer, where every week we take a deep dive into a different news story. I'm Sinead O'Carroll, and this week, what you need to know about the new COVID-19 levels and restrictions. So another day, another press conference. This government is getting a lot of stick for not being good communicators at the moment, and the reaction to its Living with COVID plan press conference was no different. People are now genuinely confused by elements of the five-level structure, mostly because the entire country has been placed on level two, including Dublin, but Dublin is being treated differently to the rest of the country because of its high incidence rate of COVID-19. But actually, the plan itself, if you remove the politicians from the equation, is actually quite clear. Michelle Hennessy and Conal Thomas have been going through it and talking to those in the know so we can bring you all the exact details you need so we can go about our business, adhering to the guidance and the rules and the advice in the coming weeks. Hi guys, how are you? Hi Sinead. Hiya. Thanks for joining us on The Explainer again. Um, Michelle, just start with you. We've gotten rid of our previous roadmaps and replaced it with this. Um, why is that? Like, What's the idea behind this le- these levels or this living with COVID plan? Right. So, I mean, what I've been told today is that the government wants to try to set out a more steady approach to the pandemic. We know that it's not going away anytime soon. We're going to be living with COVID, which is the name of the document today. Uh, And they want to avoid the, the kinds of overnight shock decisions that we've seen in the past with you know restrictions being introduced quite quickly lots of new rules being implemented sometimes you know every couple of weeks in the past we've seen that the rules the advice change and so the aim here is to have a more systematic approach i mean you might not be able to tell that from the kind of communications that we've seen from the government today but that's their overall aim is to have that more systematic approach to how to react to the changes in the trajectory of the virus and we are expecting changes to happen over the the coming six months and maybe beyond that as well so the government really wants to prepare people for what it might mean if the numbers in their county or in their region start to creep up again they really want to avoid a situation like we saw recently in Kildare Leash and Offaly where it was you know big surprise for people and people didn't know what to expect or how that kind of local lockdown would work and so the, the idea here is to let people know ahead of time what say a level two or a level three or up to a level five in this plan there are five levels what that might mean uh, if that's being introduced so Conal does that mean that kind of if you are in a county where the the number of cases is creeping up you have a good idea that you might go from a level two to a level three in the in the coming days rather than it just happening because there was a Neffet cabinet briefing on a Thursday that's exactly it, Sinead. And the interesting thing is, I mean, I think from a, a preparing the public point of view, uh, point of view we, we will become familiar with these levels over the coming weeks and months. And as uh, Michelle said, it stops this kind of sudden um, restrictions overnight happening. However, it, it is interesting from a public health perspective because public health officials in NEFIT over the past six months have always had to act quickly. Um, I suppose it's putting their quick actions on a more formal footing and preparing the public for that um, moving ahead if they do have to go from say level two to level three or level three to level four. Let's stop there and actually tell people what each level is. Uh, Michelle, I don't know whether to start with the good levels or the bad levels, so I'll let you decide. Start. Give me a level one or level five and work from there. <laughs> well, you know what I'll do? I'll start at the current level we're at now so that people know what, what the current situation is and what they are and aren't allowed to do and what they're supposed to be doing. Um, so we're currently at level two nationally. And this means, um, I think the, the most important one people want to know about is how many people they can have over to their houses, how many, uh, you know, how they can visit their parents and that kind of thing. Um, So what level two means is that you can have visitors from 
up to three other households, up to a maximum of six people uh, in your household. And that's in your home or your garden. So we, we haven't got this distinction between indoor and outdoor when it's in your own home. Now, even at the lowest level, which is one down from the level we're at now, this would be limited to 10 visitors from three households. Uh, so over the next six months, it doesn't look like you'll be able to have more than 10 people from three households uh, into your house. At level five, which would be the, the most severe restrictions, you would not be allowed to have any visitors into your home at all. Um, so currently in settings outside your home or garden at level two, so in a, a pub, say um, nationally, a maximum of six people indoors from up to three other households. Outdoors, say in a park, for example, up to 15 people from up to three other households. Um, weddings, I think, is an important one for, for people. Up to 50 people currently can attend a wedding ceremony and reception. Now, even in the best case scenario, and this will be important for people planning weddings over the next six months, even in the best case scenario at level one, the numbers would be limited to 100 people and at level five, it would only be six guests. So that, that's really going to depend on, you know, the trajectory of the virus over the next six months. Um, under all levels, people are encouraged to work from home as much as possible. And under level five, that would be restricted um, to, you know, and everybody would basically be encouraged to work from home unless they're in uh, healthcare, social care or other essential services. So a similar situation to, to the national severe lockdown that we had here. If we talk about the types of criteria for moving between those levels, I think that's something people want to know. How bad does it have to get for us to drop down to level three? Or, you know, what do we need to do to get to a level one? That's really complicated. And there's no easy answer to that. It really is the same as it has always been. The, the types of criteria like the 14 day and seven day incidents, uh, the positivity rate in, in testing numbers, the number of people who are in hospital with COVID-19, the number of people who are in ICU, uh, also the, the general trajectory of the virus, the reproductive number, and also the types of, of transmission and the setting. So people will be familiar now with, you know, the um, community transmission. Uh, people will know that there's been a move from where the virus actually is, uh, more of it in people's households related to sort of small family or extended family gatherings. Um, if we see more community transmission, that's probably going to be more concerning and you'd be more likely to, to uh, drop a level. Um, but, but if public health officials can track numbers, uh, even rising numbers in a county, if they can track them to specific clusters, say in a workplace, like we saw in meat factories, it doesn't necessarily mean that the entire county would, would be dropped to another level, um, because in those cases, it, it's easier to monitor control. So even within, and this is why it's confusing, even within the different levels, uh, there are sort of different uh, movements that you could make within those levels. And I think that that's sort of adding to the confusion. But I suppose that they have to have that kind of flexibility within that, depending on, on where we see the disease uh, and, you know, how it's spreading. Yeah, because otherwise it just is a bit black and white. And we're seeing that play out immediately on day one, Conal, in Dublin. <laughs> Can you run through what Dubliners have to know if they want to adhere by all these rules and guidance? Sure. And currently, Dublin is being issued with recommendations or restrictions, as I say, from NEF, which the government has announced today. And it basically means that people in Dublin are now being asked to invite no more than one other household to their homes. Um, these so-called wet pubs as well are going to remain closed in the capital. Um, this will be in place now for the next three weeks while public health teams assess the situation. The, the reason for this, I suppose, is, is Dublin has seen a, a, a spike in cases over the last three weeks it began in late august um and and part of the issue for 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 the public health teams is that if we look at say 
partly what Michelle was touching on there about Kildare. The public health teams knew where the virus was. They knew that it was it was it was it was contained in, in settings like meat factories, residential settings like direct provision centers. And so they could easily track it there. And it's why, in a sense, that Kildare Leash and Offaly lockdown was so effective. The problem in Dublin is that now the virus is about a third, if not more, of the cases are now due to community transmission. So Dubliners now for the next three weeks are basically going to be encouraged as well to limit travel outside the region and only meet one other household when outside the county. Now, I suppose from a communications point of view, this doesn't necessarily look great on the first day of unveiling this plan. But I think it is important to say that you have two things working separately here. You have the government were working on this plan for some time and as it was being finalised, the cases rose in Dublin, which basically meant that the public health teams had to do something. They had to make some recommendations and restrictions had to be put in place in order to try and contain the spread of the virus in the capital. Meanwhile, the government was laying out this plan that we could move forward. So we had a kind of a more structured system in place. So you have, in its essence, and this may be what's leading to the confusion around Dublin today and some people calling it that Dublin is currently technically on level two, um, but with, I suppose, additional restrictions, but it's not quite at level three yet. Now, there's already speculation it could move to level three on Thursday, depending on the rising cases. But you have essentially the old system whereby NEFIT would make its recommendations to government still in action. You have to remember NEFIT made these recommendations about Dublin last week. It's only now that the government are basically putting them on a formal footing. Meanwhile, the government has unveiled this plan too. So it, it might be a little unfair to say the government has mixed communications on this because I, I would imagine it would be unlikely moving forward that the government and the NEFIT under this new plan won't be able to say, right, you're on level two or you're on level three. I don't think we're likely to see cases where somebody's going to be, or a particular county is going to be on level 3.2. It just happens to be that before this was, this plan was unveiled, this almost formal transfer occurred. These recommendations had already been made and the case in Dublin had already risen. So just to be clear on the restrictions in Dublin, for households in Dublin, what are their visitor restrictions? Uh, it's it's going to be um, no more than six people to your house from one other household, um, basically. That's what it's going to be. Now, I suppose the difference between that is, say, level, level two is a maximum of six visitors from up to three other households. Uh, Dubliners are now being asked to not have any more than six people from just the one household. And it's essentially so we can try and contain the mixing of the virus in households because what's become apparent is basically that the virus is spreading through household transmission at the moment in Dublin. The rest of the country from the 21st of September will be able to see the so-called wet pubs, drink-only pubs, pubs that don't serve food open. However, pubs will remain closed in Dublin for at least another three weeks under today's restrictions. And in addition, people in Dublin are also being asked to limit their travel outside the region, essentially, and only meet with one other household. And this is essentially, again, to prevent the transmission of the virus between different households, because it's become very clear to public health teams that this is how it is spreading in Dublin at the moment. Michelle, that has caused a lot of consternation amongst people because they're asking, oh, well, I'm from Dublin, but I've been invited to a wedding, which is allowed go ahead in Mead or Kildare or Donegal or wherever it is. Should I go? Because I'll be mixing with more than one household there, but I am allowed to have a wedding. So what are people meant to do in those kind of circumstances? 
Right. I mean, you can understand people's frustration with this and the confusion, especially as people have, have been looking forward to the events that they've been invited to, you know, f following uh, months of, of being locked in without any anywhere to go and, and nobody to see and no social events. Um, what I've been told today is that, you know, it, it's not a law, it's not a rule that you can't leave Dublin. Say you're invited to a, a wedding outside of Dublin, you live in Dublin at the moment. You can technically go. Um, and for, for once-off events, it, you know, that's probably fine if you're going on a staycation and um, if you're you know if you're going to limit your your social contact when you're doing those things and it's just a once-off uh it, it it's probably safe to do that just on a once-off event uh, but people are being asked to use their judgment so if you have three weddings planned outside of dublin over the next two weeks that might not be the best idea because you're going to be seeing large numbers of people and you're coming from a place where uh, there is community transmission and where there is spread uh, between households and where the numbers are rising. So the public health officials are hoping that people are just going to be sensible. Um, there aren't going to be, there's not going to be any new legislation around this to, you know, police people going in and out of, of Dublin um, or, you know, to, to sanction people in any way if they travel outside of Dublin to a social event or uh, for some kind of a holiday but they are asking people you know just to, to limit it as much as, as they possibly can and, and really only to do it for essential purposes if possible let's just go back to the drink only pubs which is a much nicer phrase than the other thing that i won't say and i don't know why we haven't been using that all along um are there going to be limitations or restrictions on what those pubs can do once they reopen on the 21st of september there will be so as conal mentioned the pubs outside of dublin I hate the term wet pubs as well. Um, the, the drink only pubs will be allowed to open on the 21st of September and they'll have the same kinds of restrictions that we've already seen in place in pubs that have been open and serving food so far. So people who, who've been into pubs for a bite to eat will be familiar enough with, with the setup um, groups at a table limited to, to six people from three households. There'll be table service only, so you won't be able to sit at the bar. Customers out by 11.30 p.m. Uh, there'll also be a time limit of 105 minutes where only one metre of physical distancing can be maintained. So if, if two metres can be maintained there won't be a time limit uh, and that won't apply to uh, people from the same household so say a couple who live together who, who go to the pub there wouldn't be a time limit on, on them um, and that would be sort of the main difference I think between the, the pubs that have been open so far serving food uh, and, and the other pubs that will be allowed to reopen um, now under level five if we go to the, the most extreme level we'd be back to a situation where it would be takeaway or delivery only for pubs cafes and restaurants uh, under level one which would be the least severe restrictions there would still be protective measures in place according to this plan and maximum numbers would be linked to the capacity of the venue so it's actually quite vague uh, in that part of, of the document released by the government today what it would be like under level one there's no indication that if if we drop down um to to this less severe level that there would actually be a change in, in the numbers or or the guidelines for for the pubs a uh, change from what it is now under level three which would be uh, one step up for us in severity it also is quite vague it just says additional restrictions would apply but there's no extra detail in that so you know even within this document um there probably would have to be specific guidelines uh issued once we move and of course those guidelines that we have for those pubs to to reopen are coming from Falcha Ireland and um, so I imagine that they would be the ones who'd be responsible for issuing those uh, if there were any changes a big part of this plan was to 
allow people to know when they'll be able to get back to the things that are really important to them, like live events, music, art, sports. And one of those things is travel because we haven't been able to plan foreign trips or holidays or visit uh, family abroad, even though we've seen a lot of our, uh, a lot of people in the UK or in Europe doing just that. And it's kind of making people question, why am I looking at influencers on islands in Greece when I can't even go to London to see my my family. Michelle, is there anything in this that tells us a little bit more clearly when we will be able to book holidays? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's been a big question for for people, uh, particularly those who had holidays booked before the pandemic. Um, And we've also had a lot of complaints from the airline industry and the travel industry in in general. Um, There's a a press release just here from uh, Ryanair that says Neffet has kept Ireland locked up like North Korea, um, which might be a bit extreme, uh, uh, while countries like Germany and Italy, uh, which have similar rates to, to here, have both um, allowed intra-EU travel um, since the 1st of July. So, you know, obviously Ryanair is still pushing, as they have been all along, uh, to to make less severe restrictions. Um, now, we had expected that that our green list, um, our green travel list would change every two weeks. Uh, that hasn't been the case and we haven't seen movement on it at all in, in recent weeks. Neffet has been very quiet on it, only saying that uh, it's the government's responsibility to, to handle the green list when asked. Um, so today we heard that, that Ireland will ad- adopt the proposed new EU traffic light system, uh, which will see regions designated as red, orange or green, depending on the incidence of COVID-19 and also areas um, with insufficient clear data will be classified as grey so it'll be red orange green or grey and then the the european center for disease prevention and control will publish a map outlining which of the countries and regions are which color and that is expected to be updated weekly Um, and restrictions can potentially be applied by member states to those traveling from the red and grey areas including quarantine or testing on arrival prior to departure it's not likely that this plan is going to be finalized until october which is a bit of a ways off. So next Monday, Ireland will have a sort of interim green list with countries that have an incidence of 25 cases per 100,000 or less. And this is expected to be in line with the EU plan when it comes into force. So it means that we won't really have to make a big change in terms of the green countries um, in October or, or beyond that, you know, whenever it comes into force. So people coming into Ireland from those countries are not being asked to restrict their movements for, for the 14 days and there's no testing required. So, as I said, it might be October or beyond that before we have that EU traffic light system in place. Um, And, you know, if the ECDC is going to publish that map and update it weekly, it's possible that if there's movement during that time in those countries that we could see them moving from, you know, from orange to green and back again, uh, which, you know, might really ruin people's holiday plans so that's again a kind of a mix like this system is in place so that we can travel but we're being asked not to that's right and and it's possible that you'd be penalized for traveling uh you know even at at the moment if you were you were to book a, a holiday in a country that is currently on our green list, which, as I said, hasn't been updated in a while, uh, or, you know, that the new green list is published next Monday, it's possible that that could change. So, you know, you, you would be doing the right thing now, um, booking a, a country that's on the green list. If that changes in a month's time and then it's time for you to go, you could still face a quarantine on return that you weren't expecting. 
Uh, and, you know, for a lot of people, they're not going to be able to take an extra two weeks off work to do that quarantine. Um, if it's a testing regime that's in place, we're not sure how much that's going to cost. It might be expensive for people to do that, especially after a holiday. So, you know, that uncertainty is still there for people. And is airport testing going to come into this at all? It's possible um, that restrictions can, can be applied by member states uh, to people traveling from those red and, and gray areas. Um, and that would include possibly testing on arrival to or prior to departure. So that's something that's in the mix at the moment. It's likely that that is going to be a, a part of this plan because it's something that has been called for here for, for you know, a number of, of months that that would be part of it. So. For a lot of people, we are going to have to be entertained at home. For me, that means that I want to know what's happening with our sporting events. Will I be able to go to a match at any time soon? What are the ideas behind um, attendance at sporting events now, Michelle? Right, so at our, our current level, um, you can have up to 100 spectators outdoors and 50 indoors. But for a larger stadium, an outdoor stadium um, or a, a larger fixed outdoor venue with a minimum accredited capacity of 5000, uh, you could have up to 200 people. I mean, those are still very small numbers for sporting events. Um, and I mean, you can imagine that the ordinary punter probably isn't going to get the tickets for any of the bigger matches in those situations either. We have that many people coming to an intermediate Mogi match in Kildare. <laughs> You'll be glad to hear though, uh, in terms of training at the current level, level two, outdoor training can take place in pods of up to 15. So that's good for your Kamogi Sinead. Um, and in terms of indoor training, exercise and dance classes can still take place in pods of up to six. Uh, and that's of course, excluding um, you know exemptions for professionals. So obviously they can train in, in larger numbers. Uh, we will see if we go to some of the other levels, um, level one which would be you know the less severe restrictions the number would rise to up to 500 spectators in those larger venues with a capacity of 5000 but you know even 500 spectators uh, is not very many if you think of something like the all ireland um and in level five which would be the most severe would be individual training only no exercise classes no matches or events take place and um, gyms swimming pools would all be closed so we would be back to that lockdown situation you mentioned uh, the All-Ireland there, Michelle. So like places like Crow Park that can fit over 80,000 people, the Aviva over 40,000. Will there be exceptions made um, for the GA or the IRFU or the FAI for big games? So the document isn't very detailed in this, but what it does say is that for specific, uh, for large purpose built event facilities, such as a stadium, specific guidance will be developed with the relevant sectors to take account of the size and the different conditions for events, uh, such as large national and international sporting events. So you think that that would take into account those types of matches. Uh, but like I said, it, it's not very detailed. Um, that, that's probably done on purpose because they will have to talk to, you know, the the various um, bodies that are involved in the sector uh, to, to work out how they would put that into place, how social distancing would work, how many people they could safely fit in. And one of the things that NEFIT has been particularly concerned about in relation to sporting events is people traveling to and from uh, those matches. So, you know, people will be familiar uh, if they've ever been to a match in Croke Park that there are quite large numbers in the streets, in quite narrow streets heading up before and after the match and um, either quite small spaces for large crowds to get through when they're going in and out of, of the actual venue itself. Uh, and I think that's something that they'll have to consider how they can safely work through that and get people in and out. Also, the, the transportation, they don't want large numbers on, on the dart, people coming in and out 
and out on buses in large numbers. Um, so all of that is, is going to be factored in when they're planning this out. Yeah, and just one thing to note as well that we've just spotted as we're recording is that there was another restriction for Dublin that hadn't been well publicised yet is that matches in Dublin will be capped at an audience of 100 for now irrespective of venue size which is a little bit different to the rest of the country as you've just been saying there, Michelle. Um, Moving on to other types of lives events, um, rules around audiences at music, cinema and other cultural and arts um, occasions. What, What do we know about the restrictions there? So currently at level two for controlled indoor events, including arts events, up to 50 patrons are permitted with pods of six people and no intermingling. Although in a larger venue where you can have two metre seated social distancing, uh, up to 100 people would be allowed. So still quite small numbers. If we look at outdoor events, up to 100 people would be allowed in the majority of venues. And for venues with a minimum accredited capacity of 5,000, this goes up to 200 people in an outdoor uh, capacity. Um, you know, the, the sort of uh, higher, more severe levels, we would go back to no events of, of this kind taking place at all. Uh, and at level one, it seems like it would really be the same as, as the current level. It doesn't look like the numbers are, are going to go up a huge amount, um, even if, you know, the, the situation um, with the virus gets better um, in any situation. It doesn't seem very detailed in, in that part of the document. Um, it, it looks like it, it would be numbers of uh, 50 indoors uh, in larger venues, 100, and then for outdoors, 100 or 200, depending on, on the size. So we're going to have to get very used to being outdoors in the winter if we want to to mingle with uh, more than just the, the people we live with. Um, something I wanted to mention as well, because we didn't hit at the start, was that funerals are the same as weddings. There's a 50 capacity at funerals at level two. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. It, it's the same for, for funerals and weddings. I know that um, in, in level one in the document, it might have just been an oversight. They seem to have left funerals out, out of that. Um, but, but presumably it, it's it's staying at, at the same level um, for, for funerals when we get to level one, because obviously at level one, we would be in a much better situation than we are now. And what if things get worse, Michelle, if we get to level three, four and five? So the, the numbers at, at funerals as we go up the levels are, are actually greater than the numbers allowed at weddings. So say, for example, at level four, if you're having a wedding, you'd only be allowed to have six people at that wedding, but you, you would be allowed to have 25 people uh, at a funeral. And um, so, you know, th- there is going to be a difference. I suppose that the nature of, of the event um, really w- will dictate how that goes. And it's obviously um you know, it's probably easier in a church and so forth to, to maintain social distancing um, than it is at a, a big event where, you know, you would have people dancing on a dance floor and um, you know, mingling and everybody hugging each other like you would at a wedding. Colin, just so we're clear, when does all this come into effect or is it already in effect? So the roadmap, the overall plan with the levels one to five will come into effect from midnight tonight, Sinead. And Essentially, we the whole country is at level two currently, and that won't change until the COVID-19 oversight group decides otherwise. However, the restrictions in place for Dublin, which will come into effect from midnight tonight, will remain in place for three weeks, whereby they'll be assessed. Either we will continue with them, they may be raised, or hopefully they'll be reduced and we can go back fully to level two as opposed to level 2.5. So with this coming into effect for such a long time, Connell, does that mean our twice weekly briefings with Neffet will change or the weekly cabinet meetings with Neffet will change that this is meant to be a much more stable thing how's that relationship going to work now 
That's right. I mean, we are likely, yes, to see less of Neffet, I suppose. And um, this is part of the overall strategy of the roadmap is trying to kind of bring Neffet under the wing almost of this, what's known as the COVID-19 oversight group, which is being set up under this plan. It hasn't been confirmed yet in terms of, um, you know, um, reducing the number of Neffet briefings, but it's likely it might move to once a week possibly uh, once every two weeks. So under the plan, a COVID-19 oversight group is being set up. And the purpose of that particular group is to provide strategic, economic and social policy responses to the pandemic, but also I think most importantly to consider the NEFID advices. And this is the, the key difference under this plan announced today. Previously, NEFID would meet, they'd make their recommendations to government, government would consider them and then cabinet would sign off on them. However, this new group, this oversight group, is going to be made up of government departments, the chief medical officer and the chief executive, the health service executive. So it's a much more kind of joined up approach. So, yes, we are likely to see less of NEFIT and the personalities we've all come to know over the last six months. But I suppose the government's hope is that it, 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 it leads to a more streamlined approach and also uh, improved communication, which I think people have really um, come to expect now, particularly in the last two months where we've seen... Um, a different, different approach to communicating um, the latest advice on the pandemic. Is that what prompted this change, that criticism of the less than clear communication f- or the perceived uh, bad communication from the government? Yes. And I think it was also, I think I think there's two sides to this as well. There's the government and effort, and I'm not saying for a second that, to play them off each other, but it's important to remember that increasingly, government cabinet ministers were getting frustrated that it seemed that NEFR were calling the shots. I mean, obviously, in the early days of the pandemic, they very much were. At the time, obviously, we didn't have a government. And now that we do have a government, the government are very much trying to get on top of their brief from a communications point of view. At the same time, NEFR were becoming increasingly frustrated at the goings-on the government. I mean, well, I think, and I think this really peaked with Golfgate. This is a time when we began to see the cases in Kildare, Leash, and Offaly Rise. Golfgate occurred, and I remember talking to a number of members and senior members of the National Public Health Emergency Team, and they just seemed fed up with the carry-on. I actually, one text I got from a, a senior member of NEF, basically, on the day the Golfgate story broke, read, it's a mess. This government needs to work for everyone or no one. And I think that tension has been growing over time. And I think we saw this last week, particularly with the Dublin recommendations. I think it's important to bear in mind that the public health officials will want to act quickly. They will always want to act quickly when it comes to this virus. And that means, as Michelle was touching on earlier, the lockdown in Kildare, Leash and Offaly, and why that had to be so quick. But the, re- the recommendations for Dublin, people would argue that they should have come into effect when NEFIT made them last Thursday. But as part of this plan, the government want to be seen to be on top of all of this. And that involves bringing NEFIT kind of almost under their wing so they can, um, I suppose, control the communications aspect to it, but also control how the information gets out to the public. Um, I'm not sure whether that's going to work or not, because as Michelle was saying earlier, you're now going to have several different layers where the information is going to pass through before it's officially announced. Yeah, so obviously you're going to get leaks. But Michelle, on this plan, do you think this is going to keep people relatively 
happy or feel like that they're in control of the situation right now? I mean, I think, to be honest, there's a lot for people to take in, even for ourselves. I mean, I was frantically going through that document before we started recording this, trying to work out what happens in which level. Uh, and it's, you know, pages and pages in a document covering five different levels, as we've already said, with various different scenarios within that. And then, as I said earlier, different criteria that will impact uh, the changes between those different levels. Um, so I think the communication in the coming days is going to be very important because I think the immediate reaction um, is a, a kind of a pushback against it because the communication today hasn't been fantastic. There's so much detail in it um, that, that I think the Taoiseach in particular today uh, struggled to get out a clear message to people about what exactly it meant for their lives. And that's what people want to know. What does it mean for my life? What's going to change for me? What am I allowed to do? What am I not allowed to do? Also, how can I keep the people around me safe? That Those are the kind of key messages that people want to hear. Uh, I think that the, the confusing messages uh, around Dublin really didn't help when we started on a kind of a shaky footing. Uh, I mean, Labour leader. Alan Kelly said today that there are actually 5.5 levels because of, of this yellow card that Dublin got today. Um, and while it does say in the plan for level two that household visitors, uh, the restrictions there could range from one household to three, and it's obviously one household for Dublin and up to three for the rest of the country. Um, when you're talking about the pubs being closed in Dublin, versus opening in the rest of the country on the 21st that's something where you're stepping out of level two and, and you're kind of at a mix of level three and four for for dublin in terms of uh, the way pubs will will be able to open um that like i said confusing messaging hasn't helped i think in the short term there's going to be a lot of criticism of it um but the communication going forward is going to be really important in, in terms of keeping the, the public happy happy uh, and letting people really know what does it mean for my life how am i going to be able to get through the next six months what am i going to be able to plan in the next six months in my social life with my family and my friends and if they can get that right you know maybe people will be happy i might be a bit optimistic about this um but you know we'll have to see that how that goes yeah and i also think that one of the key things from a communications point of view here for the public is really and perhaps the government should have focused more on this day at the press conference is getting people the same way, I suppose, that, say, the, the chief the chief medical officer did in the early days of the pandemic was almost hammering home this advice constantly and getting it ingrained in people's heads. I think people are really going to have to become familiar with the various levels. And I think that's going to be the key messaging of this, because if people want to know where that, their, their lies, they'll be able to immediately go, oh, that's level one, that's level two, that's level three. So the government are really going to have to focus, I think, on getting people familiar with these levels rather than trying to talk around it, if that makes sense. So we'll see how, how it plays out over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, and something else that maybe uh, our listeners will be interested in is that the documents, when they initially went up, some of them then change subsequently in the next in the next hour after they were initially published which obviously doesn't help journalists but uh, nor the communication um one last question on dublin um we heard something called the four w's today do either one of you want to explain what those four w's are and what dublin people are meant to take from those four w's Sure, it was tarnished and Leo Varadkar actually said it today at the press conference that Dub Dubliners should follow the, the four W's of Station 8 and they are not to welcome any more than one household to your home, to wash your hands, to watch your distance by staying at least two metres from others and to wear a face mask when the two metre distance is not always possible. So that's the four W's for Dubliners moving into the next three weeks. That was a lovely enunciation of your of the W words there, Conan. <laughs> <laughs> really well communicated. Uh, Michelle, I, I, this is might be ending on a happy note. It might be ending on a miserable note. I'm not sure. What does all of this mean for Christmas 2020? 
Yeah, I mean, it feels weird to be talking about Christmas already, but I, I mean, I personally have actually been thinking a lot about what Christmas might mean, you know, in, in our family. Um, and, and while the government didn't said they didn't discuss Christmas when agreeing the new plan, um, you know, the Taoiseach said he, he acknowledged that it will be challenging. Even at the lowest level, uh, which would be one level down from where we're at now, there would still be a, a limit to 10 visitors from three households, you know, and, and that we would really need the winter, i.e. the flu season, to go really well for us, even to get to that level. If we end up uh, at a level four or five, uh, nobody's going to be able to have any visitors into their house. And at level three, it will be just one other household. Um, I mean, we were joking earlier that some of our parents might have to choose their favourite kids to have over for Christmas dinner. But that probably is going to be the reality for, for many families, that they might have to stagger visits, maybe do two dinners, one on Christmas Day, one on Stephen's Day. Uh, and, and, you know, we heard last week from Professor Pete Lunn of the ERSRI at, at one of the NEFIT briefings that people should really start planning these kinds of milestones now, Halloween, Christmas and mentally prepare yourself for a COVID Christmas and what that might mean. So in the coming months, people are being advised to have those kinds of discussions with your family and friends, plan out something different, um, but but still special. So, you know, whether it, it is splitting um, dinners uh, bet between households, um, maybe trying to do something outdoors. I mean, obviously, you're not going to be able to do a dinner outdoors in, in December uh, in, in the middle of, you know, a rainstorm or whatever it is that we have in December on Christmas Day. Um, but people do need to prepare themselves for a very different Christmas. You're not going to be in that situation. You know, there are lots of people who might have the neighbours in um, for drinks on Christmas morning. That's probably not going to be able to happen this year. Uh, you're not going to be able to have a big New Year's Eve party. Uh, but there are still things people will be able to do that are still special with their families. And it's just about preparing yourself for that uh, and planning ahead of time so that everybody knows what it's going to look like. So optimistic practicality or practical optimism uh, is the message for Christmas. Thanks so much, uh, Michelle and Conal, for going through all those documents, all those re-uploaded documents and coming onto The Explainer today. Thanks, Sinead. Thanks, Sinead. Thank you for listening to The Explainer and a big thank you to Conal and Michelle for all their work on this episode. If you read the journal, you may have seen our appeal in the past few months for you to support our journalism. It's a difficult time for media as advertising revenues fell drastically during the pandemic, but we are and want to keep providing you with valuable, accessible journalism. Loads of you have felt it's really important for society to have that open access to news and good information like this podcast and have contributed already. A lot of you asked if there was a way you could give more regularly. We now have options to become a regular supporter. And if this is something you'd like to do, please head to thejournal.e forward slash contribute. If you enjoyed this chat and learned something, we have loads more for you. Check out our back catalogue where you'll find other shows on the coronavirus and much more. This episode of The Explainer was brought to you by executive producer Christine Bohan, producer Aoife Barry and assistant producer and tech operator Nikki Ryan. If you're enjoying the episodes, please leave us a review and rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. And more importantly, share with a friend who you think will enjoy them. Thank you and catch you next time.